0: Welcome to the Life House podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Good morning. It's so great to have you at my house. Welcome to my house. Um, I miss you all so much and it's just an absolute privilege to be here and to be able to share what I hope is a a really important word for each of you. Um, I'm just going to start by praying. So would you you just close your eyes with me? God, I thank you for this amazing opportunity. I thank you that we can come together despite all this um, really hectic time with coronavirus and what uh, uh, can be confusing and a life full of noise and busyness, that we can take a moment out, that we can take some time to come together and to hear from you. So Lord, I pray that you would be with me as I share this word, that you would guide the words that come out of my mouth, that the Holy Spirit would be with each of us, that this this word would settle on people's heart. I thank you for this amazing blessing that it is to be able to share what I um, I pray to be, just an impacting word for people this morning. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I want to firstly start by telling you about a story when I was 18 years old. Now, I've got a photo here that Uh, will put up and you can see that I was an incredibly good looking guy with my cool eyebrow ring and my blonde tips. Um, I was in year 12 uh, thinking that I was doing pretty well. I'd studied sort of hard, I was often distracted by my friends, but I was doing okay. Um, I was pretty much on set getting into the course that I wanted to get into at university. Um, and as I was nearing the end of year 12, I thought I was doing okay. Uh, but um, right as I came into the two weeks of uh, SWATVAC, the two weeks leading up until exams, I started to feel a bit sick. And it happened on a Sunday morning, and I remember as clear as as clear as day. Um, I was playing bass on stage at my church at that time, and I remember I started, started feeling this pain in my gut and it slowly moved down and down and down and started getting worse and worse even as I was playing bass. And by the time it was the end of the service, I remember being curled up and I couldn't even stand up straight. I thought to myself, this isn't right, so I talked to my mum, I said, I need to go to the doctor. She took me to the doctor, the doctor sort of poked me around a little bit and pretty much said straight away, you need to go to hospital, I think you might have appendicitis. So I went down to Flinders Medical Center, uh, I waited in emergency there for eight hours and I was in a fair bit of pain. Uh, The doctors did all sorts of tests and they confirmed with me, "Yep, you've got appendicitis and we need to do surgery right now. Um, It turns out that between being diagnosed and being booked into surgery and being put under and then getting onto the surgery table that my appendix blew up inside of me. Um, The result was uh, a bit more of a complicated surgery, but a much longer recovery. In fact, I got an infection. It led to me being on morphine for a period of time where it slowed my breathing down, then I got pneumonia. And the end result was that I was in hospital for over 10 nights uh, and then had a longer than two week recovery in my own home. So you can imagine me as an 18 year old in year 12, having studied, uh, being at the end of my school career, sort of looking like I was gonna get into the course I wanted and then getting this massive shock of um, not being able to have that last two weeks of study leading into exams. Um, It turns out that I didn't get any, any credit for being sick because I wasn't sick during the actual exam period. And in fact, I bombed out big time. Uh, My grades went from being a solid mid-80s down to low 60s. And I was absolutely gutted. I remember when I found out being absolutely um, devastated. I thought, where is God in all this? How could this happen? Why in the two weeks leading up until my final exams would this happen? I just felt confused. I felt like everything was chaos. Everything was out of order and my life was going crazy. I remember getting angry about it. I got a bit bitter about it and um, I looked around and all I could see was this issue right in my face. Um, noise around me, it was just right there, right in my face. Um, it looked a little bit like you can see the bush out there across my hillside. Um, from here, it looks out, you look out there and you think, oh, that's just native scrub. Um, it's all a bit chaotic, it's all busy. You can't really see any, any order to it. This morning, I want to talk to you about looking at life from a different perspective. And as you look across that bush and you see it all a bit confused and chaos and messy, um, it's because you're at this level. But I want to challenge us today to think about what different perspective we can look at, and that's God's perspective. So as you look across that bush, it's crazy from this level. But as you go up and you go up further into the sky, you can start seeing a different picture emerge. See, about five years um, ago, that was a direct seeded native vegetation lot, which means a tractor drove out and it ripped lines along that hillside. And those lines were then direct seeded with native vegetation seeds. And as that vegetation grows, it's grown in lines. And you can start to see that emerge as the camera moves further up. See, we often get stuck in the mess and the detail of what's exactly in front of us. And the challenge that I want to challenge us today with is to think about it with a different perspective, to lift our gaze. And there's three key points I want to talk about, and that's to listen, to look, to search and find what God's purpose is in our lives, to act upon that purpose, and then to finally trust that purpose. So the first point today is around listening. Now you. Listening is one way to do it, um, but the reality is, if we're going to listen and hear God's purpose, some of you might do it through looking, you might be doing it through searching. So, it could be listen, act, uh, listen, searching, or finding, but it's about seeking out God's purpose for your life. And um, I just want to start by explaining this principle of getting on the balcony, taking a different perspective. There's this book uh, written by Ronald. Heifetz and Martin Linsky. uh, It's a leadership book and uh, it's called Leadership on the Line. And this book explains this principle of the balcony and the dance floor. And I've got a picture here that I want to show you now. And you can see from that picture um, is a whole bunch of people dancing on on the dance floor. You might think if you're on that dance floor I'm looking at the person in front of me there's a lot of noise there's people moving around Um, there's you know that you would smell the sweat of others as they're dancing vigorously around you'd hear the tapping of people's feet you'd see the person's face in front of you Um, you might be concentrating really hard on not stepping on the person's feet in front of you if it was me I'd be You know, it's so careful making sure my partner wasn't crushed by me stepping on their feet and swinging them into another couple around us. But the key to this analogy is to step out of the detail and to think about that person who's standing there on the balcony. To see the broader picture, look at the movement of the whole floor, the people moving around together. And to step out of that moment and look at the different systems that are at play. It's a fundamental leadership principle that you can't get stuck in the detail and you need to step out of that and lift your gaze and think what else is going on here? What is causing some of this noise to happen? How are the people moving around that dance floor? You know, there's a whole bunch of etiquette around ballroom dancing, which I do not profess to know anything about. I am not a dancer. So I thought I'd look it up and uh, I'll just read out a few of these rules. And it's quite confusing to me. Uh, when engaging in a dance that usually travels like a waltz, foxtrot, tango, quickstep, viennese, waltz, samba, pasodoble, peabody, I've never even heard of half of these dances. You need to follow the line of dance. You want to travel in a counterclockwise movement with your par- partner at the perimeter of the floor. If you are not traveling, stay in the center of the floor. If you're traveling slowly, leave room between you and the wall to faster dancers to pass by you. Do not stop and talk on the dance floor for a significant length of time or back up into moving dancers. You want to be aware of other dancers around you. Do not crowd others if possible. Avoid collisions and collect and protect your partner, this is an important one for me. If a collision does happen, which would be most likely the case if I was dancing, the man should briefly apologize, no matter whether it's his fault or not. Um, You can see there, there's a whole bunch of rules that govern the way people are on the dance floor. And from the balcony, I think it would be pretty obvious, but if you're on the dance floor and you're looking straight at the person in front of you and seeing all the craziness around you, you lose sight of the fact there are broader things at play. At the risk of giving you a dancing demonstration, I thought I might save you all the trauma of looking at me dance and instead introduce you to a very special friend of mine to give you an analogy around this. This is Albie. Albie is our kelpie, and he's very excitable, as you can see. Albie, come here, come here, come here, come on, Albie, come on. We got Albie because Google Farmer told us that we needed a kelpie to round up our sheep that kept getting out of our fencing. So, Albie was a free dog that we saw on a public notice at our local bakery and we collected Albie and we didn't realize that it was just an innate thing that inside of him his nature that he would round up sheep see you can see from this video here Albie just runs out he hasn't even been trained and he manages to collect those sheep he takes that broader picture he understands the movement of these sheep um, and sees all the different things at play and rounds them up and brings them into the gate see it's in his nature to take that wider perspective but albie also gets absolutely fixated albie albie see if i pull out a ball his attention completely fixes on this ball in fact he gets so obsessed about this ball that it doesn't matter what's going on around him he'll just follow this ball And it's not just this ball, it's any ball. In fact, it's even a stick if I picked it up. See, Albie's nature, the way he's been designed is to round up sheep. And yet he becomes absolutely fixated on this issue right in front of him. This ball would mean even if I threw it across a fire, he'd probably run straight across that fire because his attention, his gaze, is absolutely fixed on this one thing. See? We're the same in our own lives. We can get focused despite the nature that God created us to to do, to understand his plans, his perfect will for our lives. We can get fixated on that ball, just like Albie. We can lose sight of our plans, our purpose, the, the calling that God's placed on our lives and instead get absolutely fixated on that issue that's right in front of us. It might be that it's your lost job. It might be that it's that broken relationship, it might be that it's the relationship's not even there for you yet, it might be that you've gone through hurt, you might have lost someone that's really close to you, it might be that you came out of school and you got appendicitis like me. That issue of focusing in, gazing your attention right on that issue that's right in front of you becomes our problem and it's something that I want to unpack further. So what practically does this look like? How do we f- fix our gaze and uh, and focus our attention with a wider perspective? How do we not be like Albie and get fixated on this ball that's right in front of us? Well, the challenge is to to think about things through a different lens. Um, See, if I've got this pair of binoculars and if I was to pick it up and look this way through the binoculars, I'm not seeing much, I'm seeing a bit of craziness, everything is reduced, I'm seeing all the the busyness of what is a broader picture squashed into one little moment. But if I turn it around, and if we were to use the example of our lens being this way, focusing and getting detailed on the issues right in front of us, but we turn it around and we see God's perspective, suddenly it's broader, things are brought into focus, I can see detail at a longer, further and farther distance away from me that I otherwise wouldn't be able to see. And that's our challenge is to to look through things with a different lens, to look through things with the lens that God has, that distance view. Sometimes that might be a matter of time. It might be that the job that we're hoping for isn't right in front of us right now. It might be that it's around the corner. It might be that it, that relationship we've been searching for for a long time isn't here right now but that it's further down the path. It might be that it's, it's broader. It might be that this person is leading me down the wrong, wrong path and instead I need to look at others around me who are going to bring a positive influence into my life. The fact is we get so caught up often on the things that are right in front of us that we lose this perspective. We lose what's the broader picture. The fact is, God has a plan in store for us, and it's a perfect plan. The one, and, it's, and it might not be the one that's right in front of us, but often it doesn't feel like, or um, it doesn't feel like we can see it, and because it's not right there, right in front of us. We need to look through our situations from the balcony, like I explained earlier. Understand that God has this wide-angle lens. He's looking from above. He's seeing the order in what we see as chaos. He has a plan to give us a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So we need to listen. We need to search. We need to understand what this different lens is that we can look for to understand God's purpose for our lives. The second point I want to talk about is that we need to act on God's purpose. So if we understand that God has a plan for us, and we grasp the fact that it may not be what's in front of us right now, and we've stopped to listen, and we've observed that there might be something else going on, how do we then move towards that purpose? What do we do then? Well, we need to act on it. I'm a town planner. I love planning. It's my job. I sit down and I look at the things that are going on around a town or around a city, and I put things in place. I think about infrastructure needs, community needs, I think about what recreation needs there might be. Um, If it's a a main street project I'll look at what are the business needs, what are the community needs, what are the transport needs to move through that space and I put together plans. It's a a core part of what I do as a part of my job. Um, Quite often these plans take so much work to think about all the different things that are in play but What I've come to recognise is that I could write the absolute best plan. It could be a perfect plan, but unless that plan is put into action, it does nothing. It sits on a shelf and collects dust. And the same thing is true for our own lives. So often we can get caught up in putting all the plans in place, the perfect things, making sure all our I's are dotted and our T's are crossed. We think about all the different things that could go on, uh, and yet we fail to act on it. We fail to move on what God's purpose is for our lives. It's critical here that we act on what God's plan is. As Christians, we are called to lead our community. Um, we're called to be examples. Um, you know, the fact is, and it's a, another leadership principle, that most people in life can see the issues that are going on around them. Um, they can see the issues that are going around, on around other people. But It's leaders that have the courage to step out and to act on those things. And we're called to be leaders. We are called to act. We are called to put things into motion that will have an impact in our lives and those lives around us. Um, I remember when I put one of my greatest plans into action. And it was when I was 20 years old and I saw the most beautiful girl in the world. Her name was Vanessa. I saw her luscious locks and her blue eyes, and I thought, I wanna date that girl. And what happened from there was a set of plans and things that I put into place to to make sure that I position myself in the best position to be able to date that girl. It involved inviting her out on a date with another couple who mysteriously didn't show up. it involved me buying her corny vases for Valentine's Day, buying lots of peppermint chocolate, um, inviting her to um, different family events, it, going out to the beach. It involved me proposing to her on my favorite beach in the whole wide world. And you know, two years later, bam, we're married. And here's a photo of us at our wedding. And I scored big time. This girl of my dreams, the most beautiful girl in the world, was my wife. But it all went back to those initial decisions, those plans that I put in place. And it took me acting on those plans. If I didn't act on it, I don't know where we would be. Um, So God put that on my heart. I don't doubt that God had the most beautiful relationship in mind for me when he put that first thought in my mind of tricking her into a double date that wasn't a double date. And that's the challenge for all of us because we see these things, we put these plans into motion, but unless we act, what good is it? It's a plan sitting on a shelf collecting dust. And that's not what God calls us to do. It wasn't easy. It took courage. I was nervous. I was scared to ask V out. Um, I had to take that first step. And it was risky. I didn't know what the outcome might be. She might have said, no, I'm not interested. But I took that faith step. Um, in James two fourteen through to 26, um, it says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it in your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has food or clothing, and you say, has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do at all see so you see faith by itself is nothing unless it produces good deeds and a deed uh, it is de- dead and useless i'll just repeat that last bit so you see faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds and it it is dead and useless without it so the whole bible essentially is god's plan for us um, it's God putting his plan into motion to come into a deep relationship with us and to love us and for us to love him back. Um, he had it all planned out since the beginning of time. He, he planned out every moment and it all culminated in the moment when Jesus came to this earth. Um, he, he, um, he planned out that intimate relationship that we could have with Jesus at the beginning of time and he put that plan into motion. But the reality is that Jesus himself experienced all those doubts, those fears, those anxieties, those issues that we go through ourselves right now. That's the thing I love about this amazing story of love between us and God is that he sent Jesus so that he could be a perfect example to us. It's not just this out there person who didn't experience what we're going through. Jesus went through it. A few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Josh talked about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I just want to capture that again. Uh, and from it's from Mark fourteen thirty three three to thirty four. It says uh, he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, "My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me." So you can see Jesus in that moment in the garden. He was he was scared. He was, he was crushed with grief. He was feeling all those human emotions. And yet still, he pushed forward in God's act. And, and, and he acted on God's plan in his life. Um, Jesus, in that moment, pushing through, out, out working God's plan, acting on his plan, gave us eternal life. Gave us freedom. Gave us a intimate relationship with God. Um, what is it that God's put on your heart? What is it, what is it the plan, the, the purpose, the calling that is put placed and he's asked that for you to put into motion? You might not know the end point. You might not even know what that next step is, but that's where faith comes into it. Um, that's, that verse earlier about faith without works is nothing. You know, it takes faith steps, action, movement, moving on what God's calling is. Can I just encourage everyone in the church? I really felt particularly God wanted to say to the young adult age group, you know, that 18 to 25 year old, that this is a challenge for you. Um, You are at a position often when you come out of school where everything has been plans and preparation getting you to a point. And then you move into the next phase of life, and sometimes it's easy to just feel a bit lost. And I really felt like God was saying, This is for you. Lift your perspective. There's a lot of noise that's going on around you. Lift your perspective. Think of things with God's picture, his lens, his wide angle of the things that are going on around you, but that you need to act. You have to put things into motion. You can't sit back and expect these things to fall into your lap. God's saying, I've got an amazing plan for you, and it's right there, and you can grab it, but I need you to take that first step. I believe that God has amazing plans for you, just like he did with me and V, the most amazing relationship, but it took that first step, that first nervous, scary, wild, crazy first step for me to say, do you want to go on this double date? <laughs> God has amazing plans for you. And I just, I'm really um, just so passionate about that young adult age group because I know the capacity that God has in each and every one of you and um, act Just get on with it. Move on God's purpose in your life. So the third and the last point I want to make is that you need to trust God's purpose. You need to hold on to that and trust it. So despite the fact that we've listened and hopefully also we've acted on God's purpose, we need to trust in God. We need to trust in the plan and the purpose He has for us. But this isn't easy either because sometimes things go wrong. And sometimes things don't go the way we expected, but this is where faith and trust comes into it. We might be asking ourselves, why would God let this happen to me? Um, Why would he let this circumstance happen? Why right now would coronavirus be hitting our entire world? Why would we be stuck in a worldwide pandemic? Where is God's purpose in that? Why would we not be able to meet together every Sunday and and, and come together and worship together? I don't I don't I don't get it. But I trust that God has a purpose in all of this. You know, I know even within our own church there's been so many people connect in through these online sermons that otherwise may not have had the opportunity. There's people all over the world watching our services. So maybe God's plan and his purpose is for you, if you're watching this on the other side of the world, to connect with him through this moment right now. Uh, and if that helps you make a positive decision, then it's, it's worth it. This whole pandemic, this craziness of what's going on in our world right now is worth it. I don't know why these things happen, but I do know from my own life that there is often a reason, um, and that is only evident in hindsight. I've often only been aware that God was right there, right there alongside me, guiding every step I took, Um, even when it felt like it was all crumbling around. He was right there guiding it. God was alongside me. Even when things felt out of control, in fact, His perfect plan was outworking itself in my life. Can I encourage you that you need to trust God? You need to realize He's got a different perspective to us and try and capture that and act on it. In Philippians 4, verse 6, it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. In Hebrews 11, it says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. The fact is, I don't know why things happen. I don't know why relationships break down. I don't know why people lose their jobs. I don't know why people lose their loved ones. And and yet God can give us peace in those moments. And it comes through us trusting Him, believing Him and knowing that He loves us and that we can love Him back. Do we really want a God that steps in and intervenes in things in our lives? I, I don't. I know that... If God had stepped in and and intervened at every moment where things might have gone wrong, that I wouldn't be the person who I am right now. I wouldn't have grown through it. I wouldn't have been stretched and 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 developed into the person who I am today. I started telling you at the at the beginning of this talk uh, that moment when I got appendicitis in year 12. That moment when my lens started to look the wrong way around and I started focusing on all the all the noise and the issues of that moment right then. Why, God, why would you let this happen? Why would all my 13 years of study boil down to two weeks? Why would I bomb out? I got my grades back and I got angry about it. I felt like, God, where are you in this? How could you let this happen? And yet his plan was for that to happen. And he was there right alongside me every step of the way. In fact, he put that plan into motion. See, if I had got into the course I was wanting to do, it was architecture, I wouldn't be the person or in the position that I am here today. Um, I liked the idea of design, I liked the way buildings fit together, but I didn't really like the maths element. In fact, what I was really interested in was how do buildings fit within a street or the public realm or and what i didn't know at that time was what i was actually interested in was town planning and see my first preference for university was architecture my second preference was something else altogether my third preference was town planning and it took me bombing out in my exams to get into town planning now since then and every moment since i'm so conscious of the fact that god has been guiding my steps I wouldn't be in the position I am now. I wouldn't be able to outwork all the talents and the gifts, and um, and to be able to um, you know outwork his calling in my life if that crisis hadn't occurred, if that mess of that moment of me bombing out, getting sick, having appendicitis hadn't occurred. Um, God knew his perspective was longer, it was wider, it was deeper. he knew what was going on in my life. He knew that that needed to happen because that first preference wasn't right for me. It was what was down the track that was right for me. And that's, I'm not saying um, all these things to boast about, you know, the position or the work that I've got. It's not that at all. It's to boast about the plans that God has and he's outworked in my life. It's to boast about this amazing God who understood the longer term picture, the things that were around the corner for me, and the fact that he was guiding even those things that felt so wrong at the moment um, to occur. Can I encourage you that, especially during a time like this, where everything in our world seems to be turned upside down, where there's messiness all around us, to listen. That we need to listen, that first point, listen to what God's purpose is. Search it out. Take and understand that our perspective sometimes can get all confused. We can be looking through the lens the wrong way. And we need to pick up that lens that shows God's perspective. Sometimes that takes time. And I get that that's hard. But God's perspective, his, his plan, his purpose is perfect for us. And we need to trust in it. Um, Can I encourage you that you need to actually act on it? Um, Like I said, what good is a plan if we don't put that into motion? And that last point, trust in it. Things go wrong. I get it. And it's hard. Um, But in in that moment, that's where we can trust in God. We can trust that he has that perfect plan for us. That plan of Jesus dying for us. Giving us eternal life, giving us an eternal connection with the Creator of the universe, and what a blessing that is! You know, there's stories all throughout the Bible of people who are in terrible moments, um, who don't understand God's calling, who don't understand God's purposes, and they question it. If, uh, if you really struggle with why things happen, can I encourage you to read First and Second Peter? There's lots of examples of that where where Peter is talking to the first church in Asia Minor, um, the first churches in Asia Minor who were going through terrible persecution, terrible times. They were were victimised, they were marginalised, they had their land taken away from them, they were abused, they were beaten. And yet in that, Peter wanted to explain to them that God has a plan. He's the creator of the universe. His time, his perspective of time is completely different to ours. And that's our challenge. We need to lift our gaze and think about where is God in this moment? Can I just um, finish by praying with, us, with you all? God, I, I just pray that you would help us. You'd help us particularly in a time like this to listen to you, to search out your calling, your purpose, your plans for our lives, to understand that those plans may not be the things that are right in front of us right now, But we need to pick up that lens and look with your perspective. And we need to understand that there is a broader system at play. We need to step up onto that balcony and understand that there are other things that might be going on in our life. That we wouldn't be discouraged. Instead, we would take heart in the fact that you have a perfect plan for us. But that plan, Lord, I pray that you would help us realise that we need to act on it. What good is this amazing and perfect plan that you've got for us if we leave it sitting there on a shelf? And that takes bravery, it takes courage, it takes faith and belief that you've got that perfect plan for us, that we would put those things into motion. And thirdly, Lord, I just pray that we would trust you, that even when things go wrong, we would understand that your perfect plan is at play that you would guide us, that you would encourage us, that we would be able to rely on you, that we would love you, that despite the things that are going on in our lives, we'd have that opportunity to just tap into your incredible ability to bring peace and joy and love in that moment. Thank you, Father, for your love, for the fact that you care for each and every one of us no matter what circumstance we're going through right now, whether it's relationship breakdown, whether it's the feeling of isolation, whether we've lost our jobs, whether we're, we're waiting for that relationship that hasn't come to us yet, whether um, the job is, is that we're in, we're just feeling bored with God, you've got your plan for us. You've got your hand on that situation and we can trust that it will work together for good. Your perfect plan will work together for good. You've got that longer term picture. And God, we want to trust in that. We love you, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to infolife.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at LifeHouse. God's house, our home.